Microsoft Story Classic, bringing to you recordings of old storybooks. Mildred at Home, Episode 1 I'm to be dressed in white, Mammy, with blue sash and ribbons, Papa says, and to go back to him as soon as you are done with me. Is you, honey? Because you is, you must never wears nothing but white when de warm days comes, and can't do without his darling pet. Now all de rest him going. No, nor I without him, Elsie said, tears springing to her eyes. Oh, don't these rooms seem lonely, Mammy? Don't you miss Annas? Cause, honey, cause I does not but tank de Lord. I've got my own darling child left. And I had if you and Papa left, returned the little girl, smiling through her tears. And that's a great deal. Papa alone is more than half of all the world to me. And you know I could never do without you, Mammy. You old Mammy hopes you'll always tink like that, honey, said Chloe, taking out the articles needed for the little girl's toilette. Pears like old times come back, she remarked presently, combing a glossy ringlet from her round her finger. The old times before we went up north and, and um poor Scott married to Miss Rose. Yes, and oh mammy, papa has said I may be with him all day long, from the time I'm up in the morning and dressed, till I have to go to bed at night. Isn't it nice? Very nice plan, honey. Spect it keep both you and him from feeling most powerful lonesome. Yes, Elsie said, and I like it ever so much for a little while. But I wouldn't be for anything be without Mama and Horace all the time. Aunt Chloe was still busy with the ringlets. She took almost as much pride and delight in their beauty and abundance as the father himself was apt to linger lovingly over her task. But Elsie, though wont to endure with exemplary patience and resignation the somewhat tedious and trying ordeal of combing and curling, never complaining, though now and then compelled to wince when the comb caught in a tangle and Mammy gave a pull that was far from pleasant, would sometimes have been glad to have them cut off would papa only have given consent dar honey that job am done aunt chloe said at length laying aside the comb and brush now for de dress and ribbons and if you can go back your papa i want to just as soon as i can said the little girl what going be done about pouring de tay to night asked aunt chloe presently rather as if thinking aloud than speaking to elsie why queried the little girl won't mrs murray do it as usual don't know Charlie. she had powerful bad headache has she how sorry i am oh i wonder if papa would let me try spec so honey if you axes him said aunt chloe giving a final adjustment to the bows of the sash and the folds of the dress so i will cried the little girl skipping away but the next instant coming to a sudden standstill and turning to her, her nurse a face full of concern mammy she asked do you think i could do anything to help poor mrs murray's head no Charlie. she hain't wantin nothin but to be left alone till de sickness am goin i wish i could help her sighed elsie in a tenderly pitying tone i'm very sorry for her but hope she will be well again tomorrow 
Two gentlemen were sitting in the veranda. Each turned a smiling, affectionate look upon the little girl as she stepped from the open doorway. The one saying, "Well, daughter." The other, "How are you today, my little friend?" "Quite well, thank you, Mr. Travilla." "How are you, sir?" she said, putting her small white hand. Into the larger, browner one he held out to her, he kept it for a minute or two while he chatted with her about the cousins who had just left for their northern home after spending the winter as guests at the Oaks, and of her mamma and baby brother who were traveling to Philadelphia in their company. I dare say the house seems very quiet and rather lonely," he remarked inquiringly. "Yes, sir, especially in my room," she said, glancing round at her father, who was silently listening to their talk. "But Papa has promised to let me be with him all the time during the day, so I shall not mind it so much." Was not that a rather rash promise, Dinsmore? Asked Mr. Travilla with mock gravity. Well, if you tear up her company at any time, we of Ion shall be delighted to have her sent to us. Thank you, Mr. Dinsmore said with a humorous look at his little girl. I shall certainly send her to you directly. I tear of her society. Elsie glanced searchingly into his face, then with a happy laugh ran to him, and putting her arm about his neck said, "I'm not the least." Bit frightened, Papa. Not at all afraid that you will want to be rid of me. I hope I'm not quite so silly as I was once when Mr. Travilla made me think you might give me away to him. But it was only a loan. I was asking for of the, for this time, my little friend. Was Mr. Travilla's pleasant rejoinder? Yes, sir. But if you borrow me, you'll have to borrow Papa too for the same length of time. Elsie said with a merry laugh. Won't he, Papa? I think he cannot have you on any easier terms," Mr. Dinsmore answered. "For I certainly cannot spare you from home while I stay here alone. A very satisfactory arrangement to me, provided we are allowed to keep you both as long as we wish," Mr. Travilla said, rising as if to take leave. But an urgent invitation to stay to tea induced him to resume his seat. Then Elsie preferred her request. It was granted at once. Her father saying with a pleased look, "I should like to see how well you can fill your mamma's place, and if you show yourself capable, you may do so always in her absence if you wish." Oh, thank you, Papa! She cried in delight. I'll do my very best. But I am glad there are no strangers to tea tonight to see me make my first attempt. You are a guest, Mister Travilla, but not a stranger," she added with a bright, winsome look up at him. "Thank you, my dear," he said. "It would be a grief of heart to me to be looked upon in that light by the little girl whose affection I value so highly." You are very kind to say so, sir," she returned with a blush and a smile. "And I believe I am every bit as fond of you as if you were my uncle. I have often heard Papa say you and he were like brothers, and that would make you my uncle, wouldn't it?" "Yes," her father said. "And so good and kind an uncle would be something to be thankful for, wouldn't it?" Ah, rising and taking her hand, there's the tea bell. Now for your experiment. Will you walk out with us, Travilla? Both gentlemen watched the little girl with loving interest while she went through the duties of her new position with a quiet grace and dignity that filled her father with proud delight, and increased the admiration already felt for her by his friend. On leaving the table, they returned to the veranda where the gentlemen sat conversing with Elsie between them. But presently, Mr. Dinsmore, hearing that some one from the quarter wished to speak to him, left the other two for a while. Elsie, Mr. Travilla said softly, taking the little girl's hand in his, "I have something to tell you." 
Her only reply was an inquiring look, and he went on, "'Something which I am sure you will be glad to hear. But first let me ask if you remember a talk we had together one morning at Roselands, the first summer after your father and I returned from Europe.' "'You were so kind as to talk to me a good many times, sir,' Elsie answered doubtfully. This was the morning after your fall from the piano stool. I found you in the garden reading your Bible and crying over it, he said. In the talk that followed, you expressed great concern at the discovery that I had no love for the Lord Jesus Christ. A text you quoted, If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema, maranatha has since come very frequently to my recollection, and troubled my conscience not a little. Elsie was now listening with intense interest. Mr. Travilla paused for a moment, his face expressing deep emotion, then resumed, I think God's Holy Spirit has thoroughly convinced me of the exceeding sinfulness of unbelief, of refusing or neglecting His offered salvation through the atoning blood of His dear Son, refusing to give to the Lord Jesus the poor little return of the best love of my heart for all He has done and suffered in my stead. This is what I had to tell you, my dear friend. I have found Jesus, have given myself unreservedly to Him, to be His for time and for eternity, and I have been led to do this mainly through your instrumentality. Tears of joy filled the little girl's eyes. I am so glad, Mr. Travilla, so very glad, she exclaimed. It is the best news I could possibly have heard. Thank you, my dear, he said with feeling. I can now understand your anxiety for my conversion, for I myself am conscious of a yearning desire for the salvation of souls, especially of those of my friends and acquaintances. Then she read, The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Thank you for listening to another episode of Agersoft Story Classic.